lands. Can't you see the greatness in me? I'm female and male, man and woman. I'm better than you are! Yeah, but don't you understand something? You're only half of each. I'm a whole man. So if you'll excuse me, I don't have a lot of time here. I gotta save the world. Another episode of Two Bearded Losers. Um, yeah, we got, we got something for you today. You know, we've already been uh, skyping for over thirty-five minutes and uh, trying to avoid talking about this movie. And we, we will say why. Um, I am Eric from Hey Internet. Eric here, and as always, I'm joined by the Stimpy to my Ren, my buddy Frenzy. And uh, with a movie this special, we decided uh, we need to get a special guest, and he's special in his own little way. Um, a good buddy of mine, um, he would probably be the, the Richie Tozer of this Losers Club. Um, I've invited uh, my buddy Mike from the Graveyard Shift uh, Horror Podcast to uh, sit down and be tortured with us. Um, Mike, before we, we we delve into this dumpster fire, you want to give a little bit of a, a rundown of what the Graveyard Shift, Shift is about? Well, the Graveyard Shift is where we watch horror movies every week listener suggested so anybody can just say hey why don't you watch this and i'll be like why don't i watch this and then i spend an hour explaining why i shouldn't have watched it <laughs> but every now and then i do watch uh, a good movie like uh, you know some good old classics like dracula from 1958 with christopher lee which is one of my favorites because it was like one even though it's a movie from the 50s it's in like bright vivid color and it really it began the metamorphosis between horror movies being like cliched black and white things with like shadows and like a, a violin with like a full orchestral string, a full orchestral sting and zoom jump scares, sex and violence in horror movies. Cause usually it's like someone encroaches on someone, then you, the music, then it fades out. This is like, you get to see them like, you get to see like someone get staked in blood. Like it was, it was, it was one of my favorites. And then there's also Fright Night with Jack Skellington as a vampire who eats apples, because of course. <laughs> and yeah, so there, um... there's those, there's classics in there as well as uh, a Ghost Watch or whatever, which was like that BBC mockumentary, which was done like a news station just decided, what if we made a horror movie? And it's like great. Only in the last like three minutes at the end, but the rest of it is just like annoying, like blue ball garbage. So you know that's the part about the graveyard chip. If you got a horror movie, like how some some people even recommended a documentary. Have you heard the uh, what we talked about, Haxen? Mm -hmm. It it was a 1922 Swedish documentary about witchcraft, and you think that may be weird, and you're right. But it's got the best devil that you have ever, 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 ever seen. Because it's just the director in red paint flicking his tongue at the camera, strangling and smashing women over the head with a hammer. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, <laughs> I've known Mike since ever. pretty much. I've known, I've known Mike since pretty much the inception of the the podcast, or at least pretty damn near close to it. I've guest starred on it numerous times. Um, and one thing I will say, um, what's fun about uh, the Graveyard Shift, not just, you know, 
me guest starring on it and you know bullshitting with Mike. Um, he also is really good at writing out little skits that are are really fun. Um, like one of my favorites is definitely like the Get Out one was was hilarious. The American Werewolf in London was good. I just um, thought, how could two white people make a skit about black people without yeah. coming off as racist? And I feel like I threaded that needle. Very thin, but it worked. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a fun podcast. Um, at the end, when we give our uh, social media links, we'll definitely make sure we let you know where uh, you can find Mike and listen to him and either love or hate him by the end. But um, speaking of love and hate, what brings us to uh, tonight's episode, um, Frenzy and I had been talking lately, and Frenzy said, you know, lately we, it seems like we've been talking about, about a bunch of like 80s kids films, or we at least mention them, like Return to Oz. We always bring up Little Monsters and, and, and stuff like that. And so I decided, you know what, let's watch a movie that neither of us have seen, and then on Mike found out, and he saw the trailer, so he had never seen this, too. So his poor soul got pulled into this. I found about out about tonight's movie from the Home Video Hustle podcast, and it was the episode that hooked me to their podcast just because of how at least absurd the movie sounded. And Mike himself has has deemed me the a connoisseur of crap. So I could either, easily have loved this movie or hated it. Um, tonight's episode... Is never too young to die. Now, um, it came out in 1986. My plot summary is: We are following Lance Stargrove, who is played by post General Hospital but pre Full House John Stamos, and his father is a secret agent played by George Lazenby, who I think was only James Bond like once or twice, wow. and. Lazenby is killed in action, and push comes to shove. John Stamos takes over his case where he is trying to stop a transsexual warlord from poisoning the world's water supply, played by Gene Simmons, and Vanity shows up and shows her boobs. Um, that's basically it in a nutshell that I got, but I love, I had to say, when you Google this movie, the Google description of the movie is a spy son inherits the case of a heavy metal he she out to foul city water with a floppy disk. <laughs> and it's true. It did come out in 1986. So, you know, you've, you've all seen that meme back in the 80s when the world can end just by the use of a floppy disk. Um, probably the most 80s movie. Well, you do know that the that the world's, that America's nuclear silos are actually run with, like, three and a half floppies, like the big floppies. Oh, They're geez. still run on that system because it is supposed to be, like, unhackable because nothing's that old anymore. And it's completely separate from the internet. So everything has to be transferred locally between systems. Yeah, so, but this was radio waves. <laughs> it was the, the, It was a floppy disk, but it was... It was uh, remote controlled. Well, yeah, you need the floppy disk to get the program, which you can then run through a. Uh, a apparently, like even for nineteen eighty six, like very good portable TVs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With, with computers in it that weren't like, you know, based inside the trunk of a car. I was impressed with uh, shitty computer stuff in this movie. To be honest, for its mm -hmm. time, 
Yeah. Like even if it was fake, the 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 writing the, the weird part about this is the writing for the computer face the interface was like really concise and perfect and you know well written unlike mm-hmm. the rest of the movie it didn't make any sense to me <laughs> oh and i forgot to mention that uh like the head computer nerd working for uh for gene simmons was robert played by robert england of freddy krueger fame so that was kind of weird and neat to see him as this weasley little sidekick for five minutes i think do you know who played um, the uh, the Q for this movie? Mm-hmm. Who played the Asian guy? Oh, I don't know, but I did find it funny that he he he. he I think it was you, Mike, that basically said he was kind of like Data from the Goonies. Yeah, he was. I love how. Yeah, I love how he just has the all-American name of Cliff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they have an Asian dude in a movie. And surprisingly, didn't play on the Asian part, which was like considering everything else in this movie was remarkable sensitivity and restraint. Mm-hmm. Hey, he was in Big Trouble Little China. That's how I knew him. Was he? Yes. <laughs> yes, that's him. Who, who is he? What's his name? Which that, of the hundred Asians was he? He plays. He plays the Raiden guy, the Mortal Kombat Raiden guy. No Electricity. Shit. Yeah. Look at wow. his face. Which is weird because it's the complete opposite character as in this movie. <laughs> I know. Oh, God, where do I fucking start with this one? Oh, I, yeah. Before we start with the movie. Yeah. I, uh, okay, so what the heck was... Uh, Peter Kwong was the name, but he only has like a, a red wiki link, so it's not... Uh, can't find out anything more about him. But I, uh, I did find... This was the first time I saw Vanity. I'd only heard about her. I saw her and like gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous woman. Beautiful woman. So I had to do a little looking up on her. And uh, the Cliff Notes is is that uh, her name is Denise Matthews. And in 1980, she got a small role in Terror Train. It mm-hmm. was filmed in Montreal. She then went to Toronto to film the lead role in the B-movie, Tanya's Island. And in both cases, she was billed as Dee Dee Winters, even though she's not a double D in real life, but she doesn't have to be. (laughs) No, not with that face. No, not that face, that body. Like, you can be, like, a modest B or or scarcely a C, and you're still golden. Heck, you Mm -hmm. can be an A cup, and you're just, like, fine. But she met Prince when she was Rick James' date at the American Music Awards, so... Rick James showed up there, wanted to wanted to be her super freak, and Prince is just like, Ugh! and then that was it. Like Rick James was sidelined, and there you go. <laughs> so Prince renamed her Vanity, as he considered her to be the female form of himself. Okay. So talk about like another he she scenario that she was in. Like the, like like this was this was practice for yeah. this role with for her. Oh, now, after amazing. learning she could sing, he asked her to become the lead group of the girl group Vanity Six, which he was just making up anyway. So she was like like one of the first Spice Girls. Like He was making a girl band, and she was just in it. And she had some success with Nasty Girl. So, flash forward, 1992. She becomes a born-again Christian after like just tired of the coke and the drugs and the sex and all that. She explained in several interviews she won't take any more sexualized roles. She was in Highlander, the series, Lady Boss. She played different types of characters. She drops the vanity name 
And then she travels through the South with her friend and agent, Benjamin Jimerson Phillips, giving her testimony of her conversion to Christ. And in 1994, she was hospitalized for near kidney failure from a drug overdose. So, you know, she just proved that you can't love Jesus and the drug at the same time. <laughs> so after that, she goes sober for a year. <clears throat> then she marries football player Anthony Smith from the Oakland Raiders, defensive end. 1995, she was working as an evangelist in San Jose when she read about his philanthropic activities in Los Angeles. And in her words, she told Ebony Magazine, the Lord told me I would go down to L.A. and minister him. Three days after they met, she proposed to him. Of course, when someone who looks like Vanity says, hey, do you want to get married? You're going to be like, fuck yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So they married after a one month whirlwind romance. The wedding took place at Smith's home in Playa del Rey, which, you know, if, if there's a guy who lives in a place called Playa, it's probably not going to end well. <laughs> so Smith revealed that they often argued because of her kind nature. Now, you know how a lot of people like they convert to Christianity, but it's like, like how many evangelists do you see on TV? It's like a big front. It's they're like, oh yeah, we preach the thing, and then like, oh, what about all the homeless people? Well, you know, they they, they have a place for that that's not anywhere near me. Mm -hmm. But she talked the talk and walked the walk because one of the reasons he would like he had to like she was too nice for him to be married to was that she would invite homeless people into their home and give them food and let them use her shower. She even gave out her number so that they could talk to her like when they're desperate or you oh, know wow. needing some comfort and solace. Like she genuinely went into being like an actual Christian, like living like mm -hmm. Christ. But he was volatile and the marriage ended in 1996. And then she died in 2016 of renal failure. But now we're going to talk about this asshole. Because in 2003, Smith was charged with firebombing a Santa Monica furniture store over a dispute with the store's owner about money and a consignment item. And after two juries weren't able to reach a verdict, a judge dismissed the charges. So you think, okay, maybe he had a bit of a temper, but he mellowed out now. Nope. In 2011, Smith and two others were charged with the 2008 murder of Marilla Ponce, who was beaten and shot in Lancaster in 2008, with his body being dumped in a poppy field some 11 miles away. It said that it occurred after a business deal went wrong. Now, again, you think maybe isolated incident. No, stop giving this guy the benefit of the doubt. Because in April 2011, they deadlocked the case with, a, with an 8-4 jury. And while awaiting retrial for this, he was additionally charged with three other murders. The 1999 murder of two brothers, Kevin and Ricky Nettles, who were kidnapped from a car wash with their bodies being dumped. This is his fucking mode. He will steal you, murder you, and drop you somewhere else. And then he was in the kidnapping and stabbing of Dennis Henderson. Again, he will steal you and kill you. And in 2012, a judge found sufficient evidence for him to stand trial for the three murders. And then, uh, according to testimony, he impersonated a police officer while abducting the nettles. So he's like the fucking Zodiac. Yeah. This guy's the fucking Zodiac killer, Mark Two. And in after eight after the trial and eight days of jury deliberations, he was convicted of the murders of Ricky and Kevin Nettles and Henderson. And they found special circumstances where he committed kidnapping, torture, and multiple murders. 
And funny enough, the original case that he was found with was a split, uh, split verdict. So in 2016, while she was dying of renal failure, he was sentenced to three consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. So she really picked poorly. Man. Wow. Well, was he like, have you seen pictures of him? No, his Wikipedia doesn't have anything, but they do have his like football stats, which I don't care about. So either she was she was a huge football fan, or he was like really hot or something. Yeah, it has to be I, one or the other. Well, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if really if looks really matter because she also got involved with Nikki Six, so that would also explain the, the relapses and the drugs and all that stuff too. So yeah, well, that was like I think that was like why she went on a ten year bender because she hung out with Nikki Six. Who's Nikki yeah. Six? Nikki uh, Six is the basis for uh, Motley Crue. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. She did make a joke that, you know, she would legally, that since they did get engaged, that she would legally become Vanity Six again. Disgusting. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you spoiled me. Now, uh, I wish that was a movie. That would yeah. be awesome. Oh, my God. The Anthony Smith story. That would be like fucking Scarface if he hung out with, like, Vanna White. Oh, my God. It, wait, uh, he's in prison now? Did they didn't execute him? It's three consecutive life sentences. I guess California doesn't have a death penalty because that fucker would deserve it. Yeah, not anymore. Uh, oh, well, maybe he's uh, the best part. Maybe he's completely innocent, and they're going to make a uh, making a murderer documentary about how he's framed. <laughs> making making a quadruple murderer. <laughs> oh well. Oh man, I, I just love the fact that like. It just goes to show that like, she was living very Christian, but it just goes to show that God was not really doing her any favors. But she's like, oh, God, God told me I was going to go and minister to him. So either he set her up to fail or she really dropped the ball. And he's just like, you could have saved him and all those people. The fuck was wrong with you, girl? I told well, you to minister to him, like teach him the word of God and show him the booty hole. And she only did one of those things. Maybe the furniture store manager was a real asshole, though. We don't know all the details. It was his Joker moment. It set him down a dark path. Yeah. <laughs> he snapped over the consignment contract. After that, he's just like, fucking consignments. Everything. The world is shit. The world is shit. The world is full of fucking shitters, man. And then he just turned into Richie. From, uh, Richie from, was it Richie from Christine? What was his name? Oh, uh, shit. Arnie. Arnie. Yeah, basically yeah. turns into Arnie, except he doesn't have a murderous car. He's he's just a murderous driver. He just turns his he just makes his car an accessory to the crime instead of the perpetrator to the crime. Hey, Stephen King, I hope you're listening. We're gonna get a Christine sequel. <laughs> I always thought a good Christine sequel would be like the parts from the junkyard, each possessing the different cars they get added to, and then coming together like a posse of Christines. Ooh, or maybe like they just mold, they mold together like Voltron or something like that. Well, they do that at the end. Yeah. <laughs> For what? To For kill. What? Who do they have to mold together to kill? Truckosaurus. <laughs> it's Stephen King. You're looking for logic. Come on. Remember, this is the guy with space turtles and everything like that. Oh, no. I'm not looking for logic. I'm just like, I just want a reason. Like, why would, what, why would they turn into like a Voltron? Uh, well, I would imagine like someone's like using construction equipment against them. And you think like, and, and she's just like, oh, fuck, not again. Oh, okay. Never <laughs> again. 
And you're just like, you're, you're not going to get me this time. And then like. That, and then boom, Michael Bay is... comes in and there you go. Uh, these are all great movie ideas <laughs> compared to um, what we got here. Well, I'll, I'll say this, you know, <laughs> Never Too Young to Die, it, I think it was a great movie idea. The problem was the movie execution. So <laughs> um, I will say this. The one positive thing I will give to this movie is I am a firm believer in So Bad It's Good. I don't know about you guys' feelings, but I absolutely loved Gene Simmons' Gene Simmons' performance of Velvet Von Ragnar <laughs> because of because honestly, he's the only one that knew what he was in and he ran with it and he looked like he was the only one having fun. And Definitely even Gene Simmons himself <laughs> shits on this film. Like if you say, Hey, I loved you in uh uh, never too young to die. He basically says, "Bless your heart." I fucking sucked in that movie, but it's just the the absurdity of a hermaphroditic warlord trying to poison the water supply because that's what every warlord did in the fucking eighties, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, I mean, um, that's no. Everyone does that. Even the fucking Mister Gray and Dreamcatcher is trying to. They're all they're using the water to either poisoning or just you know put their space seed into the general population. Yeah. But well, I, you know what? Like, in the water? <laughs> he tries. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But he's probably the best performance in this movie. And that's saying something. And it's not really to shit on John Stamos because bless him. He's trying, but I had so much fun with how bad and over-the-top Gene was. I did like how he would occasionally switch his voice from male to feminine. Um, I like how his his death blow was, it looked like, what was it, a gold fingernail that he would always, like, Im- like throw into someone's throat? Yeah, um, that he keeps yeah, he, he slices their jugular vein, which trickles a little bit, and they die. <laughs> well, the you know the movie works. It opens where they're in the the opening scene is they're in the drag. You remember in the movie Dragnet? Mm-hmm. At the end, they have the big sacrifice virgin thing. Mm-hmm. It's like the yeah, same so exact look- location. He's got like an amphitheater on a cliff. Yeah, it's like the same thing. Mm. And he and, kills the bitch with he stabs her in the heart in this. It's like implied. Yeah. Which yeah, he fingers her to death. Yeah. <laughs> As um, Gene does. <laughs> I, it's, well, he, it looks, he could have also choked her with his tongue. Which oh God. That would have oh been, yeah like, poor va- poor poor vanity at the end when he that literally shoved that that cow's tongue of his down <laughs> her throat. And then the, here's the thing. <laughs> Me and my wife were watching, and she watched that part, and of course she got more grossed out than I did. Um, but the the thing we both thought of, you know, after uh, Von Ragnar has been killed and Stamos saves the day, you know, Vanity comes and she says, "Hey, basically, John Stamos, you know, stay with us, stay, you know, in you know the secret agency or whatever." And he, John Stamos, basically says no, and he gets in a dune buggy with Cliff, and they drive away. But of course he turns around and comes back for vanity and then they kiss i'm like oh no you're tasting gene simmons and like thousands of other women right now oh 
Well, there's a scene earlier. Well, we'll probably talk about it soon. But when they first hook up, she actually does the same. She does the Gene Simmons tongue thing to him. Mm-hmm. You yeah, gotta pay close attention. Yeah, but it's still like I've never seen that in a movie, in any how, kind of movie, a, a woman do how, that ever. How is he so articulate with that thing in his mouth? I have no idea. How come it's not like just like spilling out all the time? Like, well, does thing- it like does it coil under his brain like a woodpecker? <laughs> I was thinking like you know an, an anaconda it just unhinges when it needs to to do its thing. I don't know honestly how much he sucks in real life as an actor because the only other frame of reference I have, I lo- he's really good in Runaway, the Michael Crichton movie, because he doesn't talk much. And he's mm-hmm. and that actually his performance in that movie scared me when I was a kid. It's still kind of frightening because he doesn't talk much. He's just killing these people with machines. Mm-hmm. Um he's got a good look, like a bad guy look, but this movie I can't make it. I can't determine whether he has any talent or not because he's playing two characters, yep. and he's supposed to be like uh, the leader of some shitty band, and they he didn't even have that. He wouldn't even like write a song for this movie for the big scene at the concert. Did you hear the song? Like, I I know you're gonna think this is nitpicking, but it's it's not even a song. It's His like someone song is about him being a about him being like a female uh, a sheep. Well, a hermaphrodite is the term they use. I know. I just think it's so campy, and he, he's obviously having a good time. Why not put mm-hmm. some music to go with the scene? Because it takes I honestly... a man like me to be a woman like me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the thing is, it's Gene Simmons. He still got to get paid. And if this movie was shot in thirty-five days with a budget of two fifty, they couldn't afford a Kiss song or anything by Gene. Oh, Simmons. I'm not. I'm not sorry, but <laughs> yeah, I, he must have had no faith in the movie. Is all I'm saying because honestly. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. If you mm-hmm. really pay attention to the song, not the words, that's funny. The music, it's one of the worst songs in a movie I've ever heard. Like, ever. It's and just it's, like it's, generic background music while someone is, like, hosting a telethon or something. It's, it's No, it's worse than that. It's sub-generic. It's literally, like, they didn't even... It's just someone hitting notes on a keyboard. Like, randomly. <laughs> and he's trying to, like... I can imagine he's, he's in the studio singing his stupid lyrics, trying to, like sing over it it doesn't match it's like completely out of key <laughs> but um that ties into the opening theme song what do you guys think about that because i also um, not trying to be hyperbolic i think it might be the worst i've ever heard in my life for a movie i i, I like star girl's opening theme you like the song i had fun with it too because i knew like you said it's it's a cheesy fucking 80s movie and it was totally different from how we were feeling when we were introduced to Stargrove's dad. And I love how it shows that Stargrove, like he literally goes through like a gymnast routine through the entire song. It's got to be at least three to four minutes long. Yeah. And I do love how um, after that song, you know, it's Isn't perfect. It because I thought there was like, I thought it was like a blonde guy on the pommel horse while he's fucking around. Well, the well, the thing is though, no, it was him. But the the gymnast who who stunt doubles for John Stamos, they wear they make him wear a Stamos wig that doesn't match because when he's doing like the backflips off the stairs when he's fighting the bad guys, you could still see that blondish wig. So <laughs> it's like, have you met Stamos? He's like Greek, olive skin, dark hair. That's what they are, and you know we love them for it. And we have like a we have like a guy with like dirty blonde highlights 
Like yeah. Doing flips on a pommel horse and punching soldiers later on in the movie. It's like, motherfucker, like, either get a wig or just dye his hair. You are a stunt man. Just, just fucking stunt already, please. <laughs> yeah, but to be perfectly honest, I was going to say that this ties into that. Um, I, I didn't like this movie, and I tried to look for the best and everything. There are, there are some amazing moments mm-hmm. I'm sure we're going to talk about that yeah. made it worth it for me. But this isn't one of those movies that didn't get released and they found it in a warehouse, the the film reels. This is something that disappeared for good reason. Yeah. And, uh, but the, the the big point I wanted to make was I've seen way worse. Like, so you were talking about like, uh, you know, how bad the, the stunt guy stuff, all these things, the, even I was saying the music, this is not even close to like one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Right. Oh, the trailer for this. Like, did we talk about the trailer? Like, on no. The... Oh, well, the trailer was one of like the biggest cock teases ever, you know. This yeah. this is the tra- this is the trailer, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you take a shot every time you see John Stamos look literally take at the a camera shot. and fire. <laughs> That's what you take about- a shot every time you see Stamos take a shot. <laughs> 20 minutes into the movie is I realized, oh, we're not getting that stuff from the trailer. Yeah. Like, we get to see his montage where he's like learning. She's training him and teaching him to fire a gun. Then you get to see the whole. You know, that's another thing that one of the best things about this movie that I liked is that they do just waste a bunch of motherfuckers. In oh, yeah. these Action sequences, which is really weird because they actually put squibs on them. He's just like, by the end, he's just, they're mowing down people. They got the mm-hmm. guy in the helicopter. He's just like, fuck it, kill them all. Yeah. We're talking about the uh, extras from Mad Max. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. This was definitely what? Mad Max from the, from the beginning, but was this in the future? Like, look at the, no, I think it was supposed to be present day. And I, I liked how it was Mad Max basically just on uh, Gene Simmons' compound. Everything else was normal in the world. <laughs> Civilization exists, just not in Simmons' land. Yeah. What kind yeah. of fucking terrorist organization is he running? I don't get it. <laughs> They're like savages, but he has like a computer hacker nerd. Yeah. They got... <laughs> oh, man. One thing I wanted to mention is I love, um, you know, we were talking about... <laughs> <laughs> the gymnast montage when he during the the Stargrove theme song, I did find it hilarious and bad how they edited in Stargrove's dad being murdered to John Stamos failing at like the the, the gymnast. Uh, <laughs> yes, like he's uh, psychically connected to his everything. Dad. That okay. was one of maybe the there's there might be one other cut that's kind of clever like that. That's at least interesting. The rest of it was a fucking. It, and it, I don't think this movie is like incompetent. It's not like they didn't know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. I feel strongly that the people making this just didn't give a shit. Like, they just they just lost but, their fucking minds at some point. Yeah, the editors and stuff. They're like, "Fuck this! Why don't you know?" They didn't try. Yeah, it's not- let's, have, let's have this kid who hates his dad somehow psychically tell something is wrong. Yeah, yeah. it was perfect because Gene Simmons pulls out a gun and he shoots. Uh, he shoots. Uh, Father Stargrove or whatever, oh, and he, he does like a backflip or something, and he lands and dies the same at the same exact time when John Stamos's face hits the mat at the competition. The blood. Yeah. 
Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Everything about this. Like the father, he looks so fucking cool when he's like infiltrating the dam with his with Henchman One and Geico BG. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what if Guy what if what if one of the Geico cavemen was like the fifth BG? And then Carruthers like betrays them and then we get to see like Stargrove Senior just plow through a whole bunch of henchmen. And we're just like, mm-hmm. no, this guy's a badass. And then he and but strangely enough, he actually gets like shot up by henchmen. He's like almost like a realistic person. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. like, yeah, he can mow down a bunch of fuckers, but, you know, he can't dodge every bullet. And then Simmons just, like, wastes him and just has that terrible, awful laugh. Oh, I see. That's one of the things I loved because of how over the top it was. Um, they, they, then the thing is, you know, like I said, my wife was in the room watching. She couldn't help but laughing at laughing every time he laughed just because of how bad it was. <laughs> yeah, I liked it, too, because... It was reminding me of like salacious crumb. Yeah. But in a bad way. <laughs> but speaking of bad, one of the worst, you know, we're talking about how beautiful vanity was. And um John Stamos is beautiful yeah, too. Let's give him credit. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Stamos was a good looking guy too, you know, like I said, just fresh off general hospital. And we the scene where she's trying to seduce him. Literally yep. for like three minutes. Got sun- that written down right here. Yeah. On my notes. <laughs> yeah, wow. Sunbathing, taking off her top, shooting herself with a with a garden hose. And what does he do? He goes and eats two apples to, to take his mind off of her. And then decides, oh, why the fuck not? You know, I've been waiting four minutes. And then bum rushes her and they start making out finally. In the biggest letdown of a sex scene, you know... They, they 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 had all the the build up in the foreplay, and then you know we got you know the Her in and out off, oh. and they're smushed together so you don't see nipple like you can like if you're good with the pause button like you're if you're a gunslinger with oh. the pause button I am you can see some nipple on her I like, am you're gonna a, see more of his nipple I did see a lot I paused the shit out of it so I completely <laughs> I completely disagree it wasn't the biggest cock tease ever because. She's naked, and I did. I yeah. honestly did not expect that from this movie. Well, see, and that's another thing. I'll give you credit. You know, granted, I saw. I'm seeing this in you know 2020, and I sadly was one of those Full House kids. You know, I watched it, so it was kind of cool seeing Uncle Jesse in a movie like this, where he's banging the hot chick and he's killing hundreds of guys with his you know token Asian sidekick Cliff, who. I thought was really good. I mean, he wasn't really token Asian. He was he was actually pretty funny. I liked the comedy Cliff brought. You know, they did the whole he made the weapon and he shoots the rocket and it only flies out like one foot and like bounces on the ground. That was kind of fun. <laughs> I don't want to get off track. Keep your thought, but I just wanted to throw in here because I made a note. The uh-huh. the teasing sequence is incredible. It's one of the it's the best part for like the movie for me because the whole time it was it was like a naked gun parody. <laughs> yeah. And I was hearing, you know, like the something tells me I'm into something good. good. Like that if someone spliced put that music over that while he's mm-hmm. going back and forth, oh it's right out of a naked gun movie. And then they show up in the full body condoms and everything at the end. And I think he's gay. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not an expert on this. I don't know anything about John Stamus, but just from 
what I saw, it seems like he's playing straight. Well, remember, he did lose uh, Rebecca Romaine to the fat kid from Stand By Me, so there might be something there. <laughs> I mean, well, that... you, you can't trust a Greek guy with that little body hair. What were you saying, though? I didn't want to interrupt you. I just had to get that naked gunpoint out. Oh, I was just talking about how I actually enjoyed Cliff as, like, the goofy buddy oh. sidekick. He wasn't over the top. Um, <laughs> he was, he was, he was he wasn't radically he was through like, the movie. He wasn't cute. He was more like Z, but still. I'm actually shocked that you two guys, when you when you look this up and when you go watch Big Trouble Little China and you realize it's the same dude, your head's going to explode. Because think <laughs> about that. that well, that's my uh, That's my favorite... Both my favorite John Carpenter and Kurt Russell movies. So, you kind of like how uh, my friend ruined uh, Frosty the Snowman for you. You've kind of ruined uh, Big Trouble Little China for me. Oh no, but this is did way you show worse. Him Jack Frost. Big uh, the Frosty thing's way worse than this. Yeah, because you actually like the guy his his character in this one. Yeah. Oh no, um, I had seen Jack. Fr- I like the Jack Frost. We watched um, Microwave Microwave Massacre. Massacre. What? And a Add star. Add that to your list, Mike. Oh, don't. <laughs> no. no, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. It just ruined Frosty the Snowman, the animated ser- uh, special for me. Yeah, the, the basic plot to Microwave Massacre is uh, there's a slub married to a wife that hates him, and he kills her in like a heat of passion and chops her up and puts her body in the fridge and accidentally cooks her in a microwave and then enjoys the taste of flesh and becomes a cannibal for the rest of the movie. And the reason why it ruined it for Fred is this guy is he's this big, fat, disgusting, stupid slob incomplete with sex scene and everything. And it ruined it for Frenzy because Frenzy's a huge Christmas fan, like loves Christmas. And the, the big, fat, disgusting slob is also the voice of Frosty the Snowman from, you know, the old classic cartoon. So now every time Frenzy watches Frosty the Snowman, he's picturing a fat slob banging a hooker. <laughs> and then eating her. <laughs> no, well, we got Microwave Massacre in there. We got to get Halloween 2018 in there, too, in this discussion. Jackie oh, Vernon, God. that was it. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, the movie you're describing sounds like a a knockoff version of Eat and Run. Did you ever see that movie? No, but no, I guarantee it's hey, more fun Italian? than this movie. Okay, <laughs> okay. Here's here's like the clip notes on it. It's an Italian movie about a 400 pound alien who comes to Earth, ends up looking like the kingpin, and he's a cannibal. Well, I guess not a cannibal because he's not eating his own species. But he looks like a human, and he eats people. Sure. And he's... There's like even like a sex scene in that movie, because it's Italian. Of course. Yeah, so, sounds like that Scarlett Johansson movie, where she's naked, under the skin. But, I can remember, because... Uh, yeah, that one starred uh, Ron Wait, Silver. what's it called? Uh, What's this? Eat and Run, a 1986 and... American. Oh, I guess it's not Italian. It's a United States horror movie, but uh, it had Ron Silver as Mickey McSorley. Who the hell played the creature? Oh, R.L. Ryan was Ron Murray Silver. Creature. Yeah, so it had Italian. Yeah, he eats Italian people. That's it. Ah. Because that that was the tagline. Like he he's a he's a 400 pound alien who eats Italian. 
That's hilarious. That's on the poster. That's and fantastic. He, and, he, and, he, and he has piranha teeth. Like like tiny, like like tiny sharp chompers. Oh. I don't like that. Well, I think we know what we're adding to our list. I, got, I, can't, I can't believe it's not on my movie. I've got a list right here. We got I got four written down so far. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Some good did come from talking about Never Too Young to Die. Yeah, and I was saying Microwave Massacre is more fun than this movie, Never Too Young to Die. I will say this, there's another scene I wanted to talk about here where John Stamos or Stargrove or whatever, he's fighting uh, Gene Simmons on top of this. Is it on top of a dam? Yeah. Yes. Know, at the end of the movie, and he has to somehow destroy the computer that the disc is in after he he hilariously stabs Velvet and throws the one of the worst looking dummies off the off the dam into the water. Oh, and, and I guess he decided sed- he seduces her, and he's just like, "I had to tell you how beautiful you were." Yeah, I forgot <laughs> that, about that, that. That shows you how good Stamos's acting is that he could pull that out of a straight face. Yeah, I'm oh, sure well, he I wasn't am, there. I imagine and, him yeah, like and, six takes or seven takes. No, Gene Simmons wasn't there for that. Yeah, well, and, and, and that, that, close because like, he's about to give he's about to give Stamos the tongue. Oof! I thought oh. that was going to happen. <laughs> he did yeah. too, because in the in the struggle. You know, we were complaining about, you know, we only really briefly saw Vanity's nipples. We do see uh, some breasts off of Gene Simmons, and uh, we that was that uh, effort effort it's real. Hey, where did you guys watch this at? I watched it, uh, I watched it on Tubi. On, uh, I got, because I got the Blu-ray. I, you guys are underselling <laughs> the nipples, man. There are some, there's a, there's a few moments. It was a quality rack. <laughs> So I really thought that at the end, like when he like unloads the tongue and he's about to like give it to Stamos, I thought Stamos was going to like grab the tongue, pull it forward, then grab the finger and slice off his own tongue with his own finger. That would cost too much. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's a, that would have been great. Yeah. What I was saying is, uh, what is it? They just they decided the way to stop the floppy disk from poisoning the water supplies. They had to destroy the computer it was with, in with the grenade launcher. Yeah, but but what was it? He he, he was going to grenade, shoot it with the it, grenade launcher. You know fails. the one that uh the one that uh Cliff tried to use and it didn't work. But what know. was it? He opened it and he had to turn it around to face him for some reason, like it would make any difference. And then yeah. of course the the grenade launcher doesn't work. It overheats. And, yeah. But oh, we need to talk about the grenade launcher because like they this is Chekhov's grenade launcher. Mm-hmm. Because he talks about it right at the beginning of the movie. Like, this guy is a college student. They are students in college. They're not in military school. They're right. not in like spy academy. They are just fucking college student or university students. Mm-hmm. This guy is making military grade weapons in his dorm room. By all accounts, he is a domestic terrorist. He's like hacking military bases. He's creating <laughs> rocket launchers in his room. He is a fucking terrorist. Well, he hasn't that's funny. Any crimes yet, but I don't will. think that's true. I think it's like the, the 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 professor that comes in their room has a contract with the military the same way that uh, you've seen Real Genius with Val Kilmer. They're developing miss. They think they're developing lasers for the school, but the school has a contract with the military. 
It's one of those things. There, it's so, actually, and they do this in real life. They use universities to, uh, as like to. It's like headhunting talent. Yes, exactly. So, so that to yeah, me, that so did make sense. It so actually makes sense. Yeah, so the rocket launcher <laughs> is his audition for Lockheed Martin. Sure. So, anyway, when when Vanity is abducted, that's when Data brings out his rocket launcher, and the first time he uses it, it is genuinely impressive. Mm-hmm. Like for, it looks like a flamethrower. So I'm just imagining it's a flamethrower, but no, it is shooting like flaming grenades, yeah. which can take out a wall. And then he sees a mob of guys, and he's just like, "Oh yeah!" He fires it again, and it it just like drops to the ground. Like you think the grenade will explode, like, and they have to run, but no, it just like fizzles out. And you even hear like a trombone, like, "Wah wah wah wah." Almost <laughs> more like, wah. And then later on in the movie. He tries to fire the rocket launcher again, and it just, like, wow. And then it starts to, like, fizzle out and overheat, so then he fires it one more time to drive it into overheat mode. And since he can't, like, use it to bomb the the computer, which I guess it has to continually transmit the code rather than just, like, send a signal and be done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he ends up throwing it in the air and then throwing the, the grenade launcher at it while it's overheating it's like it explodes on contact this is like the most versatile and useless grenade launcher both in the world but oh i forgot when they're still in the scene where the grenade launcher is used first time it works great second time it like fizzles out and then it does an amazing combination of both because when data fires it at the mob one last time it drops again and then takes off it is like the first time I like this this grenade launcher does not use any arc that exists in reality. <laughs> it will be like Yeah. And then he fires another crowd and it's like Well, he's the wacky Asian, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he's not driving the projectile, so what's its excuse? Oh, I don't know. I mean, he's supposed to be a genius, but uh, he shows up to his friend's house and doesn't take his helmet off and he's walking around with a gun. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was waiting. Back you up while looking like a neon asshole. I thought John Stamus was going to chop his head off like with a sword or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? I will say this. You know, I always, you know, Frenzy's even said this before. I always try to find good, even in crap. You guys got to at least admit the action in this. When it's not being for comedic effect, like with the bad rocket launcher, the action is pretty damn good. I mean, when from when Stamos yeah, is killing like, everybody. I even like the scene where... Um, his Grinch moment hurt. where his testicles grow three sizes that day. And yeah. He's getting his ass beaten <laughs> in a sink. And then finally he decides, like, okay, time for me to use my gym, my gym kata on this guy. Mm-hmm. And he just unleashes the full power of, like, a silver metal gymnast on him. Yeah, and that guy is... That's one of those character actors that's in, like, every movie ever made. Yeah, he's, the, the, uh, the Native American guy. I, I know he yeah, was on... A, or Hawaiian, he on Ren- or... He was on Renegade for the entire run. You know, the Lorenzo Lama show. That's yes. where I knew him. Oh, he's in a million things. Um, and um, one action scene I wanted to talk about, which I thought was actually really good, is when, when Vanity's being a... Attacked in the barn by one of the rejects from uh, the Road Warrior, and she uh, she beats the shit out of him and before Thunderdome. Yeah, and she she makes him get on his knees, you know, because she points the gun at him, puts his face in horse shit, and then she 
Does she, she does that because she goes into a secret compartment in the barn where she literally <laughs> just like a beam in the barn. The, and she, she does like the whole you know, yes. Scooby Doo spin around. around. See guns on the wall, and then she comes back with a gun and like she, yeah. Like we're so used to seeing Stamos do the turn and gun. She's the one that literally turns uh-huh. and names the gun and fires. Yeah, that was an amazing moment. And then it was uh and then it was a great explosion because they blow up the barn because uh she knows what's in that room. Like, or something and it, it gets next to uh the flames get next to like a random box of grenades just sitting there. No, it uh, hits like hay first and like that's what starts the fire. And instead of putting it out, she's just like, I know what the hell's in this room. We just gotta go. Mm-hmm. Well, she's we got gotta, the drop. We gotta bounce like Ragnar's titties. <laughs> And she's got the drop on the dummy guy with the gun. And, you know, like, all barns have, like, glass windows in the top of them. Mm-hmm. Like, do they? I, I'm, I don't know why <laughs> this one does. <laughs> That's how the bad guys oh, come through. They have the barn has a skylight. Like, why? Why not just come through one of the giant fucking open doors? <laughs> why are they busting through the glass in the top? It doesn't make any sense. But that that's a lot of things in this movie. But the that is one of the that is a charming moment. The whole situation. Oh, what else is uh? What's his name? Uh, Data. His yeah, Cliff. One of the other things he prefaces is his listening device, which is like a basically like the inside <laughs> of USB stick. Yeah. Inside mm-hmm. of the stick of gum. Yes. Which is stupid because he's like, yeah, you just chew this and all that. Like you're taking the gum. Like you can't you can't chew it with a fucking chip inside. You're gonna break your teeth on the chip. Yeah. Like if he just said like this looks like gum, but it's like actually a, a saliva activated adhesive. Sure. Well, and what a total waste of a setup because he plants just... it and then it cuts immediately to <laughs> Gene Simmons me. finding it and flushing and... it down the toilet. Like Gene Simmons has like a bug finder in his room. <laughs> the guy writing this was like, yeah. Then he finds it. That's fucking awesome. That went through like people approved that. We preface a we preface a surveillance device which immediately gets nullified and never improved upon or mentioned again. Uh, but you we know, do get to see him. We do get to see him get his ass kicked at a uh, at a bar where everyone is riding dragon motorcycles, <laughs> which look like more like metal seahorses. And you were talking about. Um... Like how there are some good action sequences, but there is also like one of the worst I've ever seen was the car chase thing with the eighteen wheeler. Oh. I didn't know what and the fuck was going on. Everyone's like, nobody's actually hurting him, despite the fact that they're hitting him with axes and bats. Yes, they're yeah. just like tapping him with like obvious styrofoam axes instead of like. And they're harassing him. Open. This should be like a Ben Hur moment where they're like fucking him up. I didn't understand what I mean logistically she goes under the 18 wheeler for no reason then so waits for like, get behind it yeah but then it, the 18 wheeler goes into the other lane so she goes off road into the dirt then comes behind i i, I was like what's going on to maintain speed while and being she's, on the rough shoulder and she's shooting them with her gun i just didn't understand what what that was is that supposed to be exciting because i've never seen anything that bad Oh, and just like the basic premise, like he doesn't want to know about his dad, and yet he uh-huh. keeps looking into his dad's murder. Like, why does he have to be such a shit? If he's going to just be like, I don't, I don't like my dad, and then he just fucking leaves. But then, like, right, like you could just have Ragnar's men abduct him, because like they know that the that they know that the thing was sent to him, 
so they abduct him and his roommate, and he's like forced to fight. But no, he's like he's saying I don't want to do anything while he's still chasing vanity and uh, going to bars and shit. Yeah, best not to think about those things. <laughs> but the, you know, this movie did remind me. It reminded me a lot of movies. The, the, my favorite part of movies like this is they remind me of better movies. And <laughs> the the, one, the big one that I was thinking, and I, I might be wrong because I haven't seen this since I was a kid. But this movie makes me want to watch or If Looks Could Kill. If Looks Could Kill. If Looks Could Kill. You know what I'm talking about. Is that the Richard Grieco one? Richard Grieco. Yeah. Yes. I would oh. forever. Too. It's so much better than this. It's like very similar, too. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the, so about halfway through this film, the, the lulls, I was thinking, man, I wish I could be watching that. It should turn out to be a piece of shit. But I, I liked it when I was a kid. <laughs> Well, maybe you know what? Maybe we would have enjoyed this if we watched this. Well, like I said, I I enjoyed a lot of this, but a lot of it was also crap. But uh, maybe if we watched this twenty years ago, we would have had it a lot more fun. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I remember myself twenty years ago. Nope. Uh, I, w- I would 50- have really fucking hated this movie. Uh, it got a fifty-five on Rotten Tomatoes, and I guess that's kind of like. Pretty much a, a, a fair rating for this movie. It, it's a 50-50 movie. Yeah, half of it's got some great gold moments, well, gold-plated moments, and the other half are, are just turds. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it. I really think it's not even like laziness. They weren't even being lazy because they, it's just they just didn't care. It's it's a little. There's a fine line there. They just didn't care. Someone wrote this in 30 minutes at a Waffle House and they, they just greenlit it. They said, fuck it. We got... Stamos is going to Full House next year. He's already signed for that. We need to put him in something so we can juice him, you know, like... The home video uh, market. On the video market. Exactly. And what what's his name? Is it Stargrove? Mm-hmm. Doesn't that sound like an orange juice company? The whole time I was thinking, this is the lamest spy... I was thinking. Well, no, what's even, what's, even, what's even better is full name is Lance Stargrove. So that, that's that, like that sounds super like generic. A, it sounds like a space knight, like like space jousting, with like space motorcycles, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like like motorcycles that, that fly in space. It's kind of like that's so, what that's what I'm just imagining, like space jousting. It did How remind it? me of Star Wars a little bit. Uh, I was thinking the name belonged in a year. See, was it Battle Beyond the Stars? Like the Roger Corman ripoff of Star Wars? That was mm-hmm. there. Should, there should be a Lance Stargrove from the, in that instead of this. Well, the original was Luke Starkiller. Yeah, that's what reminded me of Star Wars. But that would have been that was before like George Lucas figured out how to come up with cool names. There's something that confused the hell out of me during this whole seduction scene. They're at like this cabin or something. Yeah. Why the why the fuck are they being watched by the military and like and and shitty discount Tom Green? That's a, the it's there. I mean, it's not. They're not actually like it's just they need. It was filler. They they shot another scene. We needed another scene where Carruthers is. Um, yeah, he finds them. I could I could justify that. Like if the, if they were just like at a cabin, like taking a break, whatever. But why are they all being observed by the military? Was this part of like a bait slash sting operation that went wrong? Like, like no, what, I, I honestly think it was. Here? They were trying to add more, um, 
more meat to the whole, uh, not Carruthers, but um, Ragnar being like uh, attracted to both of them mm-hmm. because he's a hermaphrodite. So it's basically, I mean, he's the one looking through the binoculars and he's like yeah. getting off to both of them at the same time. Yeah, it doesn't make again, any sense. It's not him alone. If it was him like leading the crew, yeah, if it, it was him leading his his uh, his drogies, then that would make sense. Why is the rest of the military watching a cabin when Stargrove is supposed to be on their side? Like, wouldn't they I, be just walking up, going, "Hey, let's coordinate," blah blah blah? Well, there's people in the military. <laughs> it's you're it's a stretch saying military. Uh, <laughs> a, a few assholes in really bad outfits. They're in the background. And it's like, it's one of these scenes where the people making this honestly thought that the Carruthers character was still mysterious. Like, people didn't know that that's Gene Simmons. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? They're like, let's, let's, let's uh, tease him a little bit more. We need another Carruthers scene because at the end, when they're the reveal, it's going to blow everyone's mind. So oh. you're not supposed to know that Carruthers is Ragnar and that he's a hermaphrodite jerking off watching them. Why is he Carruthers in the first place? He's leading a gang. You would send a mole to infiltrate. Like, what kind of leader has that type of time? To be like, I'm going to lead this gang. I'm going to organize this research to contaminate the water supply and all that. While I play dress-up in fatigues. Like, he could have killed Stargrove's dad at the beginning, being Carruthers. Like, how the fuck did he do that? We see Carruthers... Walk off in the fatigues, and then we see Ragnar leading the crew in full getup. Well, Carruthers is... He switches um, clothes way too quickly. That's how Carruthers... That's how he gets um, the his uh, all these resources to do terrorist activities, yeah. because he's actually a spy. Mm. Again, like, if he's leading a gang, where does he have the time to, to infiltrate the military, get these credentials, get trust... Well, he spent his whole life getting into the military as a spy, and uh, the gang is just his underlings as a side thing. <laughs> that's a, I mean, so that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, that's his so side Carruthers project. Was, so Carruthers is his main act. Carruthers so is, is his real act. name. Like, he really is Carruthers, or his spy name, whatever. Carruthers von Ragnar. It actually makes sense. It's horrible. <laughs> when he turns around... And we finally see him take off the glasses, and he's got like oh so much fucking makeup on. Oh, and it's the like, best. like I was honestly expecting him saying like "guess again," like some reasonable line of dialogue, like "guess again," "gotcha," or you know, "this may shock you," something. But I would just go with "guess again." But no, he just turns around. It's like, it was me. It would have been better if he made fun of them for how stupid they are. Mm-hmm. Because the whole movie, I'm every scene where they're together and it's Carruthers, I'm like, it's him. Obviously, yeah. that's the fakest red beard I've ever seen. He should have turned around and pulled it off and been like, you guys are fucking retards. <laughs> Seriously. I just, was, I just thought it was funny. You know, he has the, you know, the, the, the. The really short hair when he when he's Carruthers, but once he pulls it off, he was able to get that whole fucking like five pounds of wig that he has when he's velvet, you know, under that with no chin yeah. strap or anything. Yeah, yeah, the they do. Starter. They can do that. The That's movie magic, baby. You got to put I, stuff in it. It's it can be done. I was expecting 
I was expecting Carruthers to be like just chuckling. And then when they land the helicopter, as he walks away, the camera just pans down to his feet. His gait changes, the clothes start dropping, the beard drops, and then it pans back up, and then he's ragged. I was like, just full Kaiser Soze him. Oh. Well, you know, uh, and we're forgetting, not forgetting, trying to forget, but the scene on the dam, there is, that is fun. The, the, the exchange between him and Stamos when they're uh, fighting each other, it was, it was pretty mm-hmm. good in a bad way. It's one of it those did, actually... It some competent action in it. It, yeah, it's like, Michael, right. it's like Michael Bay. Like he's like the stopped clock who will get a lot wrong, but no, there will be moments when he's spot on. Well, how about this? Okay, because I'm going to forget. Because the only other note I have, I'm not saying we should. We're ending this, but at the very end, the last line of the movie, I was kind of refreshing to see that in a film that never happens. You know what I'm saying? When she, what? when um, Vanity says to, they're driving off into the sunset. With their Asian slave boy, um, short run junior and uh, vanity, like she's like, did you get? She says, did you get a really good look at Ragnar's body? Should we? We need to go check it. And he's like, shut up, bitch! And then the the, the music comes in. Like <laughs> I've seen enough of his body. <laughs> yeah, like she's saying, do you sure he's dead? And he's not because we look down and all we see is like a fucking kimono floating in the river. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. So she was technically she was she was actually even more correct than I we, thought. We see his body fall down, so you'd think that we're going to see his corpse shattered on rocks, but no, you see his kimono floating. No, and that's it. Uh, and I'm yeah. like, oh my god, they were setting up. They were setting up for a sequel. Oh yeah, even when that when the retarded like British commander or whatever the guy that they got oh. from a one of their grandpas, they put a army outfit on and asked him to. He he was setting up the sequel. He's like, "Would you like to join?" Well, think of it this way: next year we got the thirty-fifth anniversary. It's 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 time for part two. Never too old to die. That would have happened. I mean, that would be a thing. They reboot. Junior has a junior, and you know he has to he has to teach him, or like the kid thinks he's out of touch with his like his like his Commodore sixty-four skills and (laughs) get Robert England back. (laughs) Fuck it, bring them all back. Oh my oh, god, Robert, Robert England was, was the only guy to survive that movie, right? We didn't see his character die, did we? No. He escaped. What I liked about Robert is he, he was briefly in the movie, you know, he does the, the computer tech and everything. But then I love it like when uh when Ragnar is like giving his final speech before he uh he mouth rapes basically vanity, you know, and uh he's drinking from like a chalice or something. And then he he gives the chalice to Robert England, and then Robert starts drinking from it and acting like it's the best thing that's ever happened to him. Just the physical, uh, not, I don't want to say physical comedy of Robert England, but just like his body language is so good in this for like that, the three minutes he's in it. Oh my well, gosh, that would work. Never too old to die. Where he, where like he's the where Robert England is like the last survivor of the Ragnar cult. So he ends up like <laughs> taking up the mantle in his name, and Stargrove Jr. has to go after him, and he gets captured, and then his son has to go chase him, find him, and like that. I, I kind of actually want to see that movie. It's Fuller House. <laughs> no, and that actually makes sense to both of your points because the reason um, his character Robert England's nerdy whatever. Uh, character, does he, I don't even know if he has a name. 
I actually well, like because, him. Uh, I think the uh, I think in the credits it actually says like and special appearance by Robert Anglin as whatever because yeah. just two years prior he had done Nightmare on Elm Street. Very special appearance, but yeah, my how bigger do you get point. A special appearance in a movie. They've been doing it. It what's great about it is that it's one of these rare times in a movie where the henchman, I I actually, and this is a fucking horrible movie. <laughs> I really respected their relationship because he obviously sincerely loves Ragnar, whatever, and he he really wants to impress him the whole the whole movie. Yeah, it's he like believes they, in him. He's a true he, believer. Exactly, but it's it works. It's like it's actually kind of charming, and oh. even at the very end, it's like he really loves him. He's telling him he's screaming the password as a. Is anyone there? Yeah. Oh no! I think I lost the call. Your face is stuck. <laughs> Wait, you were there the whole time. You just froze. Yeah. Hello? Can you hear me, Eric? I can hear you, Eric. That's God. Hold on. I don't know if you guys can hear me or not, but I hear you. I lost the Skype call. Oh boy. Yeah, the the movie gods were tired of my ranting about <laughs> the special relationship with Robert England and. I just thought that was cute. That was my only point. I was like, yes, I of the only relationship in the movie I actually believe is he was like the Bob, yeah, Batman, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was he was the Bob, but unlike Bob, he survived. Well, it's unfortunately, good, it's good to see a good henchman get rewarded. Yeah, but we're never going to get that sequel you're talking about because this is not even this. It's not a cult movie, and it doesn't deserve to be. And this, and we're in that era of rebooting. Robert England's not dead yet. We could do it. We could still do it. It sucks. This would totally be a uh, Kickstarter project thing if the movie was just if it had a little more going for it. One of us has to email Stamos's agent and ask, "Would you?" Mm. Stamos <laughs> has so we... much fucking money from Full House. He doesn't yeah, give we a just shit. have to see if he do it for the fun. Oh, it's I like, doubt it. Oh, plus, like, Ragnar's body was never found. Ragnar could come back as, like, a, a shriveled, like, disheveled old bag lady, find Robert England, <laughs> and be like, hey, want to get the band back together? And Robert England's like, fuck yeah, do I? Oh, well, I know and Robert England would like, do it. like, a big friendly hug, and it's like, we get to see, like, the best friendship villain movie with these two getting back together, getting back in fighting shape, showing that they still got it, that they can still run the world's water running supply. Down the beach like Apollo and Rocky and hugging in the water. <laughs> and then they're talking about like how they're going to poison the world's water supply. And then and then Robert England goes on Wikipedia, finds out about Flint, Michigan, and he's like, oh, someone beat us to it. Well, that was him. It, it turns out our biggest comp, it turns out that we were replaced by just government negligence. Well, I think we've stretched out this episode as much as we could. I'm surprised we actually we uh, we got as much time out of this as as we did. Um, final thoughts for me. I was expecting better, which is saying a lot. Um, but I didn't. It wasn't as bad as I, you know, I didn't feel like I wasted my time. If if that makes any sense, I did like the action. I did. I, I love Gene Simmons' horrible performance. 
This movie is definitely be a lot better if it was like the three of us with like some beers and pizza watching it. Um, <laughs> don't watch it solo. It, mm-hmm. it, it makes it a lot harder. Um, would I watch this again? Yeah, if my buddies are over. But other than that, if I would, would I own this movie? If I found it on eBay for like a buck. So I didn't waste my time, but I don't have any desire to really watch this again. I would say don't watch it with your parents around who are walking around periodically and will just like walk by and completely out of context see you watching Gene Simmons and drag <laughs> and just like one and just and you know that what they're thinking like what did I raise <laughs> and you can just like feel the the emanation of disappointment radiating off them. Yeah, I totally agree. I, well, actually, no, I don't. I agree with that point. <laughs> don't uh, be seen watching this movie. <laughs> yeah, don't be seen watching with your parents around. It, as if it matters, but I would say don't watch this. Um, watch something better. It was To me, it was... Uh, there are good things about it, and I, I enjoyed some of the... Especially the big reveal that no one saw coming. Gene Simmons was the agent the whole time. <laughs> yeah, but, we just heard the big surprise that, you know, like the, the, the caveman BG was actually not a, a good person. Well, they, they were, they just, they betray right away. <laughs> caveman BG. That's great. Watch. Right, okay, so friends, you hear, I'll put you on the spot. You know, worst films. What's What would you rather rewatch, this or Uncle Sam? Oh, no, no comparison. I might actually recommend people watch Microwave Massacre over this. Oh, wow. I think I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and that's really something, me saying that. Well, with that, I'll say uh, thank you for... Jesus Christ. Thanks for watching and listening. Um, you can find me, uh, uh, Hey Internet Eric here, on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. You can find this show. Um, I will put the video of this uh, episode on my YouTube channel, but we also have twobeardedlosers.com, which is our backup channel. And that has all the links for where you can listen to us, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. Um, Mike, where can we find the Graveyard Shift? Okay, the Graveyard Shift, which I've had to explain to some people, is not like a video podcast, because apparently mm-hmm. if we hear a podcast, they think like, oh, what YouTube channel are you? And I'm like, how old am I? Like, podcast from iPod, not videocast. It's... So apparently I have to start getting in the habit of telling you it's a audio podcast because of all our skits and stuff, because if we were going to do skits mm-hmm. with video... I would have to, like, one, learn how to use this green screen behind me. And two, I would also have to buy, like, props and wigs and shit, and we don't have the budget for that. But if you do want to help us with the budget with that, you can go to patreon.com slash graveyard for as little as a dollar a month. You can support the show, get bonus content, hear extra reviews that aren't in the regular feed. But uh, in our main feed, uh, the Graveyard Shift, uh, just look for the artwork for Graveyard Shift Horror Podcast with a tombstone with two skulls on it because apparently there's like six other podcasts with the Graveyard Shift in it. One is a evangelical podcast. <laughs> with the name the Graveyard Shift, I don't know why. 
So we're not the evangelical podcast. No, that's insane. You want to give the website? Right. Uh, we are at strangebiscuits.com slash graveyard. And there you can find all of our episodes. You can comment on the episodes. You can also visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the graveyard shift pod. Either way, you can suggest movies through there. You can use the contact form on the website to suggest a movie to me. Uh, you can also just say hi on the Facebook page. Uh, we have a great community there. We share horror memes and just, you know, shoot the shit. And uh, I think that's it. You can also listen to us on RadioHaver.com, which is like half with an R on the end. That's an internet radio station made in Scot based in Scotland. And we are on uh, our show. We are on that every Saturday at eleven, uh, whatever time zone. That's eleven at their time. They're on Greenwich Mean Time, so wherever you are, you just have to like know the difference in your time zones. And uh, I think that's it. You know, uh, the graveyard shift is just horror movies. So uh, if you want to hear me talk about regular movies, ask me to come back here. Yep. And uh, like I like I said earlier, I said uh, I I have a lot of fun with with Mike's show. I've guested on it a lot. Um, and you and will I, furthermore because other people, it's it's surprisingly hard to get people to guest on a show and actually show up. Mm -hmm. So you may be hearing a bit more of Eric because he's reliable. Yeah, I think I've done I've been on eight times as of right now as of this recording and we're going to do one tomorrow and a couple next week but right long story short, i said I, yeah i wouldn't be uh i wouldn't be doing this if i didn't actually really enjoy the product and like i said it it's fun working with mike and helping him with the skits um i'm pretty proud of what yeah. we came up with for tomorrow night's uh episode um yeah we had uh, strange uh rare exports was the last episode you were on. That was for our last... Uh, see, for December, we do uh, The Chris Massacre, which is four ho Christmas horrors in a row. And Eric was great in Rare Exports, where uh, if you've seen it, it's about uh, the true origins of Santa. And it's based on two internet shorts, which is about like the, the capture and the handling of wild Santas. <laughs> And so Eric and I did the third short, which would be the pitch tape to buyers. Like, why would you want to buy our Santas rather than like just homeless people from the VFW? <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I highly recommend that. And uh, Frenzy, when you're not too busy trying to convince people that Uva Bowl is just as great a director as Christopher Nolan, where can we find you? <laughs> wow. That's, oh my. You're going to stir up some shit with that one. Oh my god, that is shots fired. I probably do agree, just because, you know, fuck Christopher Nolan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll say it. That bowl guy, yeah. House of the Dead's better. At least at least Yui Ball doesn't have like a <clears throat> and consider that a score in his movies. It's very traumatic. Those <laughs> horn blasts in every fucking movie. Um... You can find me at my name at all social media. And I just want to say that when we do these podcasts, I'm pretty much exhausted physically and mentally. And I, if the movie's bad, then it's going to be reflected in the, the podcast. I didn't like this movie. 
And I, <laughs> I, I hate that I'm being so negative, but I actually did have a great time. Mike, you, mm-hmm. this, this was really, it turned out way better. I thought we were going to have nothing to talk about for this mm-hmm. one. But it was a lot of fun. I hope you come back to a better film that gives that I'm more excited about. Well, Frenzy, in my defense of picking this one, we wanted one that we had never seen before. And when I said, hey, what about Never Too Young to Die? You basically said, fuck yeah. So, Oh, yeah. It's not your fault. It's not your fault till this, the recording stops and we're offline. <laughs> <laughs> that is not, you did nothing wrong in picking this movie. When the people are watching, then it's just like you. Exactly. I'm going to blow up your messenger, though, after this shit's over. <laughs> and uh one last thing i want to say um before before we leave concerning uh this show is we're recording this on a thursday frenzy usually have the audio up by saturday okay um what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna set a um a poll you know just this way frenzy can't blame me like he's going to blame me for tonight's episode <laughs> On our Twitter and on our Facebook page, I'm going to pick four. Like on Facebook, we have a, um, we have a, how would you say, like a, a folder, I guess you would say, called Coming yeah. Soon, which is episodes we have in the pipeline. And I'm going to pick four random ones, because I think you can only choose up to four, four random ones from that folder. I'm going to put them in a poll on Facebook and on Twitter. And who, whatever gets the most votes will be the episode we do in two weeks. So that way, no one gets the blame but you, lovable fans. Yeah. And if it was your choice originally for that suggestion, I'm sending a bomb to your house. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And with that, I will say thank you for listening once again. Check out. Mike's horror podcast, Graveyard Shift, highly recommend it. Um, we definitely will have to get Mike back because this was a lot of fun. Um, um, and we'll hopefully see you in the next episode.